Now we're going to look at God's Word and continue our series on the Old Testament. And we're in part three today, and we're going to look at the fall and the big story. And my goal today is to understand the big story of the Bible, see how you fit into it, and be motivated to live accordingly. So this is the third, the first of our series. We talked about how important it is to have a grasp of the Old Testament and how it fits together because the New Testament is rooted in it. And if you want to get the fruit from the new, you have to get the root from the old. That's good. I just came up with that. <laughs> so so um, anyway, so there you go. The fruit from the new, the root from the old, and then you'll, you'll benefit from it. So really have to be rooted in what the Old Testament is saying. And then we began looking at it last week with creation and God's beauty and just a sense of wonder and, and amazement at what God done in creation. So I have four things I want to do today. I'd like to start by looking at the original design, then what went wrong, then the big story. And I've made a little animation to show you for this bit, because this is really the heart of what we're doing today. And the last one is how we respond to that big story. So let's look at the original design, shall we? Adam and Eve were the first humans, and they were put into a perfect reality. They were made in God's image, which means in some ways humans are like God. And this was a place of order, harmony, beauty, perfect love, but it was surrounded by chaos around parts of the earth And Adam and Eve were told that they were actually, they were given the task of spreading the harmony of Eden throughout the earth and tending this. So they were given a God-like task to do. The stability of this reality depended on them maintaining their allegiance to God. And this is crucial. The whole of reality was set up so they were had allegiance to God and his power was flowing through them. And that enabled this life to flow through them and they could do the work. And they were given a very simple thing to mark their allegiance. Don't eat from a particular tree. And uh, many people today think it's an apple tree. And uh, it's, uh, of course, it wasn't an apple tree. Um, Anne thinks it was a mango because mangoes are so delicious to eat. But, um, uh, I, um, well, she doesn't seriously think that. She's just joking. That. Um, so, um, uh, why, why do people think it's an apple? Well, because back in the time when we have the King James translation, the word apple just meant fruit in those days. I mean, the original translation doesn't say apple, but it got into common understanding that it was an apple and then, because that just meant fruit. And then people identified this particular fruit. And then, of course, it got this got weird thing that it got, it got turned into sexual sin. That somehow it was some euphemism for actually sexual sin, and which isn't there in the text at all. It's simply eating a fruit. So that it was a very simple mark of allegiance to God. That's all it was. It wasn't a particularly special thing. It was a mark of allegiance to God. And so, to summarize the original design. Humanity would live 
in close dependence on God, in a loving relationship with him, and continue the creative work as God's children through his power flowing through them. So in a nutshell, that's the the original design. And that's my first point, Uh, the original design. And now we're going to go ahead next and see what went wrong. And then look at the big story and how we respond to it. So what went wrong? Well, most people will agree there's something very wrong with the world today. We instinctively know that this is not how things should be. Something's broken, especially where humans are concerned. Why is that? Why is there so much injustice and extreme poverty? Why are there wars based on greed or desire for power or hatred for those who are different from ourselves? Why is there so much sickness even with today's medicine? And I don't need to remind you of that. How can a whole nation or seemingly of seemingly good people turn against a minority and treat them worse than animals? And this has happened many times through history, through recent history, even happening today. Something is wrong with this world. And this part of the Bible doesn't, doesn't go on to tell in detail about the origin of sin, about fallen angels, about um, Satan, also known as Lucifer. That's not described here. There are other parts of the Bible that shed a bit more light on, on this aspect of, of who this being was. But here, at this particular point, we have Satan or Lucifer taking on the the um the appearance of a snake and uh, so and and appears and and speaks to eve so um this this being this other being this this uh, satan this lucifer being suggests to them that god did not have their best interests at heart he couldn't be trusted and they didn't need him anyway those are the three lies. He didn't have their best interest. He couldn't be trusted. And they didn't need him anyway. So let's look at the scripture, shall we, in Genesis 3. Now the serpent said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. So this is the story that is there and uh, this is how 
this originally happened. So the choices can be symbolized. The choice that they had can be symbolized um, with this picture. The picture is the circle of what is God's will. This is what uh, uh, God uh, permits us to do, allows us to do, and it's the circle. And we can do anything within that circle. And the temptation is to do something outside of that circle. And that's based on the belief that there's something outside that's better than something inside. Do you get that? What is outside is better than what is inside. And God doesn't want us to get it. If it wasn't the temptation to think it's better, we wouldn't be a temptation at all. But the temptation, and this is all temptations, is summarized in this picture. And I want you to remember this picture. The, the temptation is that God is keeping something good from us. He's given us a limits to what we can do. But really what is best for us is outside of those limits of his will. This sums up all sin and it applies to every choice that we have. And when Adam and Eve made this choice, it broke the carefully constructed universe that they were in. Now, we don't understand the details, but we know the harmony was smashed and is extended to the physical world as well as not just them. But the physical world was then out of joint. There was something wrong with it. It began to have chaos and and evil in the physical world. And this led to their shame immediately following this. And, of course, it led to a broken relationship with God. So I want to ask, where are we now? When humans first disobeyed God, it was more than a small mistake. It was an act of defiant rebellion that severed this relationship. This perfect universe became spoiled and broken. Sickness and death entered the world and every child born inherited this brokenness. So that's the second problem. And the third problem is, What was most broken was the human spirit. Now that it was separated from God, instead we became centered on ourselves and often see God's laws as restrictions keeping us from happiness. So that, I think, summarizes, that slide summarizes where we are and what is wrong right right now. Now, uh, one thing I, I, I want to say, and I'm just going to say this briefly, not everybody's uh, as bad as they could be. And in fact, the, the reflection of God's image is still in every human being. So every human being, although it's distorted and damaged, carries some of God in them still. We call this common grace. And every human carries the image of God. Beauty, creativity, love, self-sacrifice, sometimes in extraordinary ways, yet it's tainted by unwillingness to give allegiance to the God who gave these gifts. And so there is there is still a lot of beauty in humanity, 
but it's just spoiled by this. An, ex- an illustration might be, imagine there was a huge cask of the best and most expensive wine. And somebody took just a little spoonful of sewage and put it in there with it. It's a tiny amount, but it would spoil the whole barrel of wine. And this is the human tragedy. So what what passes down to us? It's not the guilt. God is very clear that we're not judged for something that someone else has done. But what is passed down from our parents for generations is a tendency to want to make our choices outside of God's will. So just in a just summarizing there, I've given you the original design and what went wrong. And I'm now coming to what is really the core of what I'm going to talk about today. And that is the big story. And the reason this is so important is because when we get this story, all the other stories of scripture fit into it. And this is an occasion where the roots are so important because this makes sense of everything else that happens. And so the, the, the big story is, is really this. God was determined to repair both creation and humanity, both the external world that was damaged and our hearts. Um, two problems. There's the rot that we carry in us, which is due to our, our sin and the sin of others, that's like the, the, the damage that we have, this rotten damage that we have. And the second is our, our tendency to continue doing the wrong, going the wrong way, doing the wrong things. So it's what we are and the fact we have a tendency to continue in that direction. So God's solution to this problem was that he promised Eve that ultimately one of her descendants would destroy the source of evil and the results of evil. And this has been called the golden thread. The golden thread. And William Hendrickson in his book, Serve of the Bible, puts it beautifully. He says, there is one central theme which, like a golden thread, runs through all the stories of the Old Testament, and we could add, and the New. That theme is the coming Christ. As long as one does not see this, the Old Testament remains a closed book. And when Jesus opened the Old Testament to the disciples on the road to Emmaus, and they said, no, he didn't, he opened it to us. Um, and they began to understand it. He was showing it was himself that the prophet spoke of. It was himself that the story spoke of. So that golden thread is begins with this promise to Eve, one of her descendants, and that line from Eve, that thread from Eve, that begins with Eve, that threads through the descendants, and eventually ends with Jesus, is the golden thread. And we'll see that actually this warfare between the, the, the descendants from the woman, like, for example, King David, and 
those influenced by Satan, for example, Goliath, is constantly a warfare image through the Bible. Many, many times we see this happening. And uh, so that's the golden thread. And so let's just look at this promise then to Eve that one of her descendants would ultimately destroy evil. And this is in in verse 15. And I will put enmity between you, Satan, and the woman, and between your descendants and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And um, this is, if you like, the very, very first statement of the gospel, the first inkling of the gospel. The descendant, of course, was Jesus. That this would end up with the New Testament. It's very clear that this is what it's prophetic of. And what I'd like to show you right now is a little animation that I that I made earlier to try and uh, capture the idea of the arc of this big story, because it's a story arc that begins with the events we've just been reading about in Genesis and ends with Jesus and everything else fits into that story arc. So I'm just going to watch, switch that on now. So let me see if I can illustrate the big story. And this is a story that starts with creation and then the fall. And the problem with the fall is that we have the choice between serving God and Satan. And they make the wrong choice. So then we have the arc of history that takes us through the Old Testament to the New Testament. And during that time, the question is, who do you serve? And really, you could reframe it. You could say, where is your allegiance where is your allegiance so if we look at this arc of history we see this choice being faced by different people there's Abraham there's um, Joseph for example faces this choice I, I mean all of the stories do this in some way or another we come through to Moses um, then we can see somebody who made the wrong choice someone like Saul and he's contrasted with David and David had the same set of choices and made the right choice and the stories go on and on we could look at someone like Daniel as well in this and finally we come to Jesus and we see Jesus has a temptation similar to Adam's and Eve in many respects, and he makes the right choice. But really what happens on the cross here is much more profound than that. Jesus defeats Satan. He defeats Satan. And 
Also, in addition to that, he begins a new creation. And the new creation, the key thing about it is we have a new heart. And the new heart is by the Spirit. It's the Spirit dwelling in us that creates this new heart. And it's a new heart by the Spirit that trusts God. And because it trusts God, the choice here is no longer to Satan, but the choice is to God. It's not to anything else, but it's to God. Now, what happens in these little stories that go through is that actually the Spirit is working in those times. He's working in the lives of those people. Even though Jesus hasn't come yet, we get a foretaste of that working of the Spirit in their lives. But we can't understand these stories, these little stories, unless we understand the big story, moving from fall to the defeat of Satan on the cross and our redemption. There, I hope you like that. It wasn't very professionally done. It was just done on the spur of the moment. I thought, how can I describe this and... So I just did it. Um, and uh, I want to summarize the two problems I talked about. The two problems are the rot that we carry in us due to our sin and that of others and our tendency to keep on making the wrong choices. So it's what we are and the fact we continue to make those choices. How did God solve those? Jesus' death cleanses us and makes us spotless. That deals with a rot. And what is it that keeps us from making the wrong choices? See if you can guess. It's his resurrection. His resurrection is the new creation. And that gives us new hearts. We're born again, born from above, born with his resurrection power. And the new hearts have a allegiance to God because his spirit is within us. So this is God's solution to the problem. This is how God has brought about the solution to the problem. So the where we're up to right now, we've looked at the original design, how God wanted or, or set things out originally to be. We've looked at how this went wrong when Satan came in, he tempted Eve to look outside, and Adam as well, to look outside of what God had given them. And they they did that, and that broke creation. We, we saw the big story. We saw this arc of storyline that, that goes from the beginning to the end. And within it are lots of little stories that basically have the same question. Who are you going to serve? David, who are you going to serve? Saul, who are you going to serve? The different kings of Israel, who are you going to serve? Ordinary people, people like Daniel, 
Who are you going to serve, Daniel? And then the choices are dependent on the the power that actually comes from Jesus' resurrection coming back to them at that time. Now we're going to look at how we respond to this. How we respond to this. And what I want to say is that you have a choice here. Your choice, if you're a Christian, you can live out of the old creation life in you or the new creation life in you. Paul often talks about, he has a shorthand, he talks about the flesh and the spirit. And the the flesh is a shorthand for the old creation life and the spirit is a shorthand for our new creation life because our new creation is through the spirit in the spirit. And so uh, Paul presents us with this choice that we have and this is the choice right the way through the Old Testament and right the way through the New Testament and right now in every choice that you make in your life. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, then you don't have access to this new creation power. You don't have that. And uh, But Jesus says, come to the waters and drink. Come to me and I will give you this new life. I'll give this to you. And if you have this, you can choose to trust God and not listen to the lies of Satan. So this is our choice, which life we're going to live out of, to trust God or to listen to the lies of Satan. Because really, it comes down to trust. Really, we are not going to choose the X outside of God's will if we really believe that our best interest from a loving God who cares for us is doing what he says because we trust him. So this is the really, this is the crux of the matter. Um, we have to believe that what is inside is better. So I've got one more slide for you. And this is really trying to summarize what answering temptation is about. And I'm framing it in a different way now. I'm going to say there is more joy in Jesus than in anything this world has to offer. That's the real answer to Satan's lie. There is more joy in Jesus. There's more joy in following him than in any of Satan's lies. And if you really believe that, then you will make the right choices and the ro- not the wrong choices. So the question, if you're a Christian or if you're not a Christian, is whom will you follow? It's the same question that was faced by Adam and Eve. But the question now has been given a new dynamic by Jesus Christ because he has made it possible for us, through the power of his Spirit, to make this choice that I believe you, Jesus, that what you have for me, the joy I have in you, is way better than anything that I could choose outside. So that is the big picture. That is the big question. That is the golden thread that goes right the way through the Old Testament and ends with Jesus coming and solving the problem. Let's pray. Thank you, God, that you did not leave us in our misery and our failure. But at huge cost to yourself, you gave us your son to die and to be raised from the dead so that we could be what you originally designed us to be. Lord, help all of us to make the right choices for your power in us.
Jesus' name. Amen.